listening to the Between Two Paddles podcast, brought to you by The Lake & Co., where we believe we're only as good as the company we keep. Lake & Co. is a company comprised of three very different entities, Lake Time Magazine, Lake Bride Magazine, and The Lake & Co. Shop. Lake & Co. is inspired by and celebrates the stories of people doing exceptional things in the North, local, authentic, and inspired. We are an independent, bootstrapped, community-driven, women-owned company built on hard work, enthusiasm, and a whole lot of grit. We are Northerners. Subscribe to Between Two Paddles via iTunes now to continue hearing the stories of these folks. You might just be amazed. We always are. I taught and studied survival skills for many years, and one of the indicators that a community has moved beyond meeting their basic needs, past simply surviving, and into thriving, is the creation of art. Art simply means creating something outside of yourself, in visual form or in the form of music or poetry, performance or literary. The list is really limitless. But half the experience of art is in witnessing it, not just creating it, art requires community, and a community is strengthened by the culture of creating and sharing art. So this is why I wanted to talk to the folks behind the new Watermark Art Center in Bemidji. Uh, my name is Lori Forshade, and I am the executive director of the Watermark Art Center. The town of Bemidji in northern Minnesota has always stood out to me as an artsy oasis amidst the surrounding north. Just driving through the town, the streets are dotted with sculptures and the walls painted with murals. Many coffee shops and bars serve as spaces for artists to showcase their work, and with the beautiful lake budding right up to the edge of the streets, it seems the town itself is one big gallery. A few years ago when I lived there, if you wanted to go to an actual gallery in town, you'd have to park a few blocks away, cross a busy main street, and walk up steep steps into an old historic building that sat right next to the water. The Carnegie wasn't easy to get to. Um, it was hard for people to access it, so I might go days without seeing anyone sometimes. So, Back in 2006, Lori had sold her business and saw an ad in the paper for executive director for the Art Center. So when I started, it was a 4,000 square foot building um, with not a lot going on and a very small budget and to what we are today, which is over 10,000 square feet with um, uh, four galleries as opposed to one and a bigger retail store and an education room, which we've never had. So that's really exciting opportunity for us. They've come a long way, and this new art center is gorgeous. It sits right on the main street in downtown Bemidji overlooking the lake. The architecture is modern, the space is bright, and the walls are full of windows letting the natural light in. A lot has had to happen for them to get to where they are now, including a name change. 
14 or 15, maybe closer to 2015, we changed the name of the organization. And originally we were called the Bemidji Community Arts Council, Inc. And it was something that, that myself and the board felt didn't really reflect who we were serving. It was just a little too small geographically because we're actually serving a, a five to nine county region, especially now that we have the expanded space. And that was our hope to do that. The Watermark Art Center is committed to showcasing the diversity of the region, which, as Lori said, encompasses up to nine counties as well as three reservations. The commitment to diversity means that they now have an entire gallery that is committed full-time to showing Native American art. Um, um, with the uh, expansion of the galleries, we were able to add a, a gallery that's dedicated to Native American art year-round. So that was one of the that was like one of the first things that I wanted to see happen. We had one, maybe two spaces to show in the Carnegie, um, and it was a great home for years. But we just we outgrew it, and we weren't able to. Um, you know, we we're trying to get the exhibits to be up longer so people could access them. Um, artists put a lot of time into creating the work. We spent a lot of time getting it installed. So to have it turn over every month or every two months was just not enough. And so we, we worked occasionally with Indigenous artists, but not 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 monthly or every, you know, every day of the year. So that was really important for us. And to do that, we needed to expand the space. Um, when, you know, to, to not have that reflected continuously was just, to me, um, something that had to change. It had to happen. And the work is there, the artists are there, um, and we needed to create a space to, to do that. Mm -hmm. And what's been exciting, um, um, we hired Karen Goulet. She's from White Earth, um, and she is an artist herself. And to be able to have that committee develop a two- to three-year uh, you know, calendar of what kind of programming, and it is... It's really unlimited, um, the whole space, really. There's so many artists in our area, um, and there's so much work we would like to bring out of the area. With the um, Native American community, a lot of their work, their art, it's funny because we'll hear, well, I'm not an artist, I'm just a beater. Um, and they're creating this beautiful regalia and, you know, bandolier bags and, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. Just gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. So they don't think of themselves as artists because it's part of their culture, it's part of who they are. They, they, and, and it is something that they create for someone else. They're always gifting this away. Um, they create for their entire family, um, the regalia and things that they, um, and even our contemporary artists who are working in different medium, gifting is part of, a big, huge part of that. And, um, and sometimes it's just the gift, it's the actual physical gift of the work, and sometimes it's a, the gift of just sharing that. With an expanded space, the community is approaching them, including the local university who also now have a gallery space in the Watermark. It's for both students and their teaching pieces, which include world-renowned artists. And um, people assume it's always student work, and it's not. It is. There's some major pieces. Currently, there's a, a Toulouse-Lautrec, a Mary Cassatt in there. Um, last month, there was a Maria Martinez, beautiful piece of black pottery, the shiny mat that she does. Um, so there's some major work in there. And every May, right on the other side of the wall, the local schools and their fifth grade classes also have a chance to share their creations. It's one of my favorite shows. And in fact, a lot of our adult artists love it because they come, you know, kids are not inhibited yet. They're creating these beautiful pieces. 
And so here you are walking down the hallway, and again, you've got fifth grade art, and right next door is a Toulouse-Lautrec. We have a beautiful uh, solo exhibit um, from Hilary Kempinek. She's a Native American artist. Um, Talk about diversity. Right, right. right. And so you can a little bit for everything. And it brought in a lot of of people, but we do a lot of field trips during that show so the kids can come and see their work in a gallery, which we think is very important. Mm. Um, Not that being on mom's fridge isn't, you know, important too, but to see their work and to see their peers' work in this space um, and we did that across the street as well it's always been really uh, important when a, when we have a fifth grader say you know how much work would I need to have an exhibit here it's yeah. pretty cool um, so yeah so I wanted to know how they funded such a big and beautiful project Of course, there were multiple streams of funding that came in, but I was especially curious about one particular stream of funding. So there is an anonymous donor that has given actually over a million dollars towards this project. Same person? Same person. Anonymous. Yes. Do you ever, like, watch people... Like, is there, like, a regular who comes in, you know? It's funny because people are like, you know, I had a lot of people come out and say, it's not me. (laughs) So... Uh, and, and it truly was a gift, with only one stipulation. Their gifts have come with very few strings, um, um, and one of them was that we'd be open on the weekends um, and to make sure that people who are visiting the area have it. And that was already in our business plan, so that was easy to do. Um, there is no real quiet day that's the same day here. We're, so we're open seven days a week, and... Um, and some Sundays it's quiet. Sometimes it's really busy. It really depends on what's going on. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, so very generous gifts with very few requirements, um, and um, uh, that we had to follow through with. And I think whoever this person is really understood the mission and what we were trying to do. It's someone who gets what we're trying to do as far as for the community, uh, really? for the region. Another amazing stream of funding came from the Legacy Fund which, if you're like me and you didn't even know about it, prepare to feel very proud of the state of Minnesota. In 2008, Minnesota's voters passed the Clean Water, Land, and Legacy Amendment to the Minnesota Constitution. The intention of the amendment is to protect drinking water sources, to protect, enhance, and restore wetlands, prairies, forests, and fish, game, and wildlife habitat, to preserve arts and cultural heritage, to support parks and trails, and to protect, enhance, and restore lakes, rivers, streams, and groundwater. And the way they're funding that is by an increase in the state sales tax by three-eighths of one percent. That number seems tiny, but since its inception, it's funded $2.3 billion in projects that protect and enhance our land and culture. That's insane. They've bundled together arts, culture, and history with land and water and wildlife. Because here in this state, even if you live in the city, we're surrounded by wildlands. And for many artists, it's these wild places that inspire our creativity. When they did the legacy funding, I thought that was funny. So a lot of people said, "Oh, that's weird, art and you know, art and what you know, water quality and so." And I said, "No, it's not. Especially up here. Maybe it's weird other parts of the state, but it's not weird here. A lot of our artists." 
you know, they are here working in the woods because that's where that's what feeds their soul, mm-hmm. and that's it's what the they, inspiration. It is. It is. And um, and it allows them to have that solitude that they need um, to be in that creative space. Um, and then the other things around them that help keep them moving forward with their work. Um, and, you know, I know one artist, she's a musician. She, I've seen her dressed in a sparkly gown, playing a piano or harpsichord at a Baroque performance in town. And she also likes to take her canoe and portage into the Boundary Waters and camp. And so there's this one person that sort of encapsulates that whole legacy funding thing. It doesn't mean one or the other. Um, and those things are important. The other thing that with the legacy funding, I think, um, Minnesota has always ranked fairly high with regards to how they um, um, fund the arts. And I, I just read something recently, pre-legacy uh, funding, we were probably like fourth or fifth in the nation. We're, we're first in the nation because of the legacy funding, because of the way the state has the regional arts councils set up so that money is getting to every corner of this state. That makes that stuff happen. So the state funding, the legacy funding, our regional arts councils, getting that money into every corner and trying to provide support to individual artists and organizations like the Watermark to get the art there um, and and help people create and help people show that work and have that experience. And I have a, a relative who lives on the East Coast, and they've heard about what we do, the state of Minnesota, because we're a model that the rest of the country looks to. recognizes that there's a sort of stigma surrounding art galleries, that it's for a certain type of person, not just to have their art shown, but just to visit. But art is for everyone, and that is why the Watermark has free admission every day of the week. Because as a community, we not only need artists to create and be brave enough to put it out there in the world, we also need people just to participate. And Lori says, at least for the area surrounding Bemidji, The Watermark Art Center is a symbol of the community's commitment to and reverence for art. I think, to me, the Watermark reflects what the community thinks about art, our community and our region, how they feel, how they uh, revere it, how they think it's important. And and it's there for those artists that are in our community um, um, to have their work shown. And there's so many of them. Um, And I think it's something that people can come around Often I run into people and they'll say, I'm not very artsy, you know. And there's something about the four walls that's, you know, what's contained in here. They, they think it's not for me, I, you know. So there's that fear, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything that we can do to get people through the door to see that this is their space and that they should come and experience it. And that we all experience art all the time, every day. And so when someone says they're not, you know, an artist, they're not creative, they don't, they're not artsy, they don't get it. I always remind them, did you listen to the radio on your car coming in? You know, did you, you know, do you have wear glasses? Who do you think designed those? Uh, you know, do you have pictures hanging on your wall? Um, there, you, we, we adorn ourselves in our homes and we participate in art all the time. We read books, we, you know, all of that. And so I think it is for everybody and it is this exchange that's happening um, and it doesn't have to be this... Thing 
that you always understand either. It can just be something that makes you feel a certain way or something you can appreciate and look at that and say, how did they do that? Well, and artists create in, you know, in a solitary, you know, they're, they're in their little studios creating and some of them like to actually meet with people. So they do, I have some artists who want to have their opening, but they don't want to do a talk. They just want to be there with the, but even though it's this art is created in this sort of solitary personal way, um, they're creating it. They want to share it with people and so um you know when people ask how can they support one of the ways you can support the arts is just by participating just by being present in that um that's what it's there for whether it's music poetry reading visual art um taking the time to look at it and and um just think about what what you're looking at i think is a great um i hope that people will do that Thank you to Lori for being willing to speak on behalf of the Watermark Art Center. And of course, to all the generous donors who made it happen. That includes you, Minnesota residents, thanks to the Legacy Fund. The Watermark Art Center is open from 10 to 5, Monday through Saturday, and noon to 4 on Sunday. Stop by Bemidji Avenue in downtown to visit. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to Between Two Paddles via iTunes. This episode was brought to you by The Lake & Co. with music by Knit Your Own Scarf. If you or someone you know has a story to tell, let us know. You can email me at kim at thelakeandco.com. Thanks again and keep telling your stories. Till next time.